This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Then you ask, well, how do you contend with things wisely? And I would say, well, don't pollute your thoughts with deceit. You compromise your own wisdom. How are you going to make intelligent, not intelligent decisions, wise decisions? That's why you shouldn't lie. It's like you're warping the mechanism that orients you in the world. Do you really want to do that? This is a brutal world, man. And I've seen this in my clinical practice. People whose houses are built on foundations of sand and the wind starts to blow and the floods start to rise. And they are in such trouble, such trouble. If you're lucky and something terrible comes your way, and you're reasonably honest and your relationships are in good order, maybe you won't end up in hell. You, you need to be afraid of that. It's like, don't lie. We're all subject, not least to the judgment of our own conscience. Try to escape from that. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's December 9th, 2022. I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. If you have not already, subscribe to our Rumble channel, rumble.com slash Rubin Report. And if you want to play along during the show in live chat and communicate directly with me and much more, rubinreport.locals.com. And I wanted to do a cold open of that nature, what you just saw and heard right there, as opposed to sort of the more silly ones that we usually start the show with. Uh, because these Twitter files dropped last night. It's Twitter files part due. And uh, well, it's big. It's really, really big. And I think as we find out more and more about how big the lies that have been pushed on us are, how pervasive they were at almost every level of our supposed trusted institutions, uh, well, we're going to have to do some work to, to reclaim the truth. We're gonna have to do some work to understand how so many people got so many things wrong over the last couple of years. So I'm gonna catch you guys up on this massive Twitter drop, which for those of you that have been playing along with me for the course of the last, let's say six years or so, a lot of this is not gonna surprise you because it's stuff, as you'll see uh, throughout the show today, it's stuff that I was talking about on the show literally five, six years ago about shadow banning and what's going on and how it's distorting reality and how I often say that social media was supposed to be a mirror for society so you could put something out there and you could get an honest reflection back to you, but it became a funhouse mirror. And really, the more that we've been on social media, the harder it's been to be social and to get truth and all of these things. So that really is gonna be the, uh, the theme of the show today. And I thought another really nice way to start this would be with a famous quote that you've heard me mention a couple times on the show, uh, a famous quote by Russian novelist, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was born in 1918. Uh, he was one of the most famous Soviet dissidents. He was an outspoken critic of communism. Uh, he raised global awareness uh, for the political uh, repression that was happening in the Soviet Union. And then, of course, he wrote the Gulag Archipelago, which Jordan Peterson references often. The quote right here, we know they are lying. They know they are lying. They know that we know they are lying. We know that they know that we know they are lying. And they still continue to lie. Yeah, that's right. And that's kind of where we're at right now. So what do we do? The genius of what Elon Musk has done here. It is starting to become obvious to me. He did not necessarily buy Twitter for the money. The guy's got an awful lot of money. He's working on rockets and he's working on com connecting our brains to computers and all sorts of other stuff, right? He did not buy this company for money. He bought this company because I think it's becoming clearer and clearer that he saw the same problems that we all see, the problems that we talk about on this show every day, the problems that you guys see all the time, that social media, big tech, big government, corporate press, the collusion between these two things 
to distort our reality and give us a, a fake narrative rather than a true assessment of what's going on here has been so massive and so pernicious because it's part of everything and it's really hard to see that you can only look back of these last couple of years and go, boy, you know, if you really went completely bananas, it's not all your fault. What do I always say? It's like, if you stayed roughly sane over the last couple of years, that's pretty good. You're good to go in my book, roughly sane, not totally sane. And some people could say, Dave, you're only roughly sane, that's just fine. Um, but there's a reason that so many people went crazy. And that reason is because so, so much of our information was filtered through a, a social media lens that was designed to lie to us. That's what the Twitter files are all about. Uh, and you are, we are gonna lay out a case today. You are gonna see it from the top down, from Jack Dorsey at Twitter, the former CEO, who lied literally to me on Twitter, and we've got the receipts about whether they shadow ban or not, uh, to a whole bunch of other people that have been part of this thing. You're gonna see it. Uh, so, should we get to it? I think we should get to it. I think we got the idea. We've got the new blueprint. It's from Elon Musk, and here we go. So, I wanna start with uh, a tweet that I sent out about two years ago. Uh, this was uh, a response to Jack Dorsey. So Jack Dorsey at the time, this is in October of 2020, Jack Dorsey was the CEO of Twitter. Now, when you're the CEO of the Twitter, the buck stops with you, you're in charge. So he wrote our communication around our actions on the New York Post article was not great and blocking URL sharing via Twitter DM with zero context as to why we're blocking unacceptable. So obviously he's talking about the Hunter Biden laptop and Twitter's behavior related to all of that. Now remember, this is over two years ago. So I responded with a rather simple question. I did not expect to get a response. Lo and behold, I did. I said, do you shadow ban based on political beliefs? Simple yes or no will do. And Jack, with two letters that I think he will come to regret, wrote no. Okay, this is super interesting. So he's saying that they don't shadow ban. Now, when I saw the response, and as I always tell you with these things, I don't mean to make this about me. I happen to be close to a lot of these things, which is weird, uh, but I wanna give you a sort of personal insider view of this, and then we'll get to the sort of bigger issues and, and, and the totality of what they've done here. Um, my feeling when he responded to me and said, no, we don't, just by saying no, so no, we don't shadow ban, it didn't mean much to me because it was like, oh, you, how do we define shadow ban, right? It's, an, it's a new term, it's not in the Webster's Dictionary. So he's probably playing some linguistic game here. Maybe they don't call it shadow banning, they call it subtle hiding or whatever definition of shadow banning he has is slightly different than the one I have. But the point is, the way that most people understood shadow banning, the idea of shadow banning over the last couple of years was the idea that you would tweet something out or you would post a message somewhere or post a video and the algorithm or somehow manually, and we did not know until we now have some information, we'll get to that in a moment, would depress the views on that. So it's shadow banned as opposed to outright banned because an outright ban, you know what happens, right? If you're banned, you're suspended, you, you get an email, you can't get into your account, you know you're gone. Shadow banning was far more nefarious because the idea was you think that you're still getting to your people, you think your voice is still being heard, but they're doing something on the back end either uh, through AI, through the algorithm, or through actual employees that were uh, manipulating feeds. We know it's actually both now. So I wanna just go to two tweets of mine that you guys have heard before, uh, relative, uh, which got me suspended over the years because then I think we will get right into the, to the long Twitter thread. So as you remember, uh, this one was back in July of 2021. They want a federal vaccine mandate for vaccines, which are clearly not working as promised just weeks ago. People are getting and transmitting COVID despite the vax. Plus now they're prepping us for booster shots. A sane society would take pause. We do not live in a sane society. Okay, you guys have heard me talk about that one. Uh, Fox News covered it. We'll do this real quick for you. Conservative pundit, I guess I'm a conservative pundit. R Dave Rubin revealed that he had been suspended from Twitter for merely tweeting news about famed Canadian psychology and philo uh, psychology professor and philosopher Jordan Peterson's own suspension from Twitter. We're gonna, I'll read you that tweet in just a moment. Rubin's offending tweet from June 29th read, the insanity continues at Twitter. Jordan B. Peterson has been suspended for this tweet about Ellen Page. He told me he will never delete 
the tweet. On June 22nd, Peterson tweeted that trans actor Ellen Page, she now identifies as a man named Elliot, underwent gender transition surgery performed by a criminal physician. He wrote, remember when pride was a sin and Ellen Page just had her breasts removed by a criminal physician. Okay, so I was banned because of the COVID thing. Then I was banned for literally calling attention to the fact that Jordan Peterson was banned because he either misgendered or whatever you want to call it with Ellen slash Elliot Page. Okay, so I'm giving you the personal example of all of these and you and people all along for the last couple of years when these, when these things would happen, uh, you know, I'd get an awful lot of support, obviously, but then there's another set of people, oh, you're paranoid, it's a mistake, it's a, it's a bug in the system, you know, something like that. Um, and no, it actually was all real. So just remember, now I'm gonna read you Barry Weiss's thread because uh, Elon Musk gave her the Twitter files. Um, just remember that it all turned out to be true. And some of us did know, and we just didn't have all the pieces in front of us, right? We were putting together, a, a, we were putting together a puzzle, but we didn't know, we didn't have the box to show us what the puzzle looks like. So we're putting together something that looks like something, but we're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. The box doesn't show us what the final picture is supposed to look like. So Barry Weiss, you guys know Barry Weiss, formerly of the New York Times. She has been a liberal and a lefty her entire life. Uh, I have my political disagreements and some personal disagreements with Barry, uh, but she left the New York Times because of how woke it has become. Uh, so when Elon Musk decided to release these Twitter files, he went to two people. He went to Matt Taibbi, a lefty also, I would say again, on his way to maybe a little more of a centrist view, as well as Barry Weiss. He went completely around the mainstream media. So there, this is a long thread, uh, but it's worth hearing all of it because this is, this is important stuff. And, and let me just, Say one other thing before we get to it, which is, as you guys know, if you're not on Twitter, that's great, but you have to know that the way, the engine of the, the idea engine of the world is Twitter, and it puts out ideas that then translate into real world things. So you may not care about Twitter, but what happens on Twitter cares about you. Okay, here's Barry Weiss's uh, tweet thread, which went out at, I think, around 9 p.m. last night, uh, 7.15 p.m. last night. Thread, the Twitter files, part two. Twitter's secret blacklists. A new Twitter files investigation reveals that teams of Twitter employees build blacklists, prevent disfavored tweets from trending, and actively limit the visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics all in secret without informing users. Twitter once had a mission to give everyone the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers. Along the way, barriers nevertheless were erected. Take, for example, Stanford's Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, who I've had on the show actually, who argued that COVID lockdowns would harm children. Twitter secretly placed him on a trends blacklist, which prevented his tweets from trending. Or consider the popular right-wing talk show host, Dan Bongino, who at one point was slapped with a search blacklist. Twitter set the account of conservative activist Charlie Kirk to do not amplify. Twitter denied that it does such things. In 2018, Twitter's Vijaya Gade, then head of legal policy and trust, and Kavan Bekapur, head of product, said, we do not shadow ban. They added, and we certainly don't shadow ban based on political viewpoints or ideology. What many people call shadow banning, Twitter executives and employees called visibility filtering or VF. Multiple high-level sources confirmed its meaning. Uh, Connor, come back to me for a second. So, okay, so I wanna just sit on that point for just a second. When I had tweeted at Jack years ago, over two years ago, do you guys shadow ban? He said no, and as I said to you, even when he responded to me, I knew it was a linguistic trick because there was no way of pinning him on what does shadow banning mean. It was a new phrase that could mean many different things to many different people. Can we go back to seven again? So they decided to call it, instead of shadow banning, visibility filtering. It's such a perfect 1984-esque Orwellian word, it's incredible. Okay, let's go to eight. Think about visibility filtering as being a way for us to suppress what people see to different levels. It's a very powerful tool one senior Twitter employee told us. Visibility filtering refers to Twitter's control over visibility. 
It used VF to block searches of individual users, to limit the scope of a particular tweet's discoverability, and to block select users' posts from ever appearing on the trending page and from inclusion in hashtag searches, all without users' knowledge. We control visibility quite a bit, and we control the amplification of your content quite a bit. And normal people do not know how much we do, one Twitter engineer told us. Two additional Twitter employees confirmed. The group that decided whether to limit the reach of certain users was the Strategic Response Team slash Global Escalation Team, or SRT-GET. It often handled up to 200 cases a day. But there existed a level beyond official ticketing, beyond the rank-and-file moderators following the company's policy on paper. That is the Site Integrity Policy policy Escalation Support, known as SIP-PES. Okay, now you really got to listen to this one, guys. This secret group included Head of Legal, Policy, and Trust, Vijay Agade, and Global Head of Trust and Safety, Yoel Roth, Subsequent CEOs Jack Dorsey and Parag Agrawal and others. Here's the key part of what they did here. This is where the biggest, most politically sensitive decisions got made. Think high follower count controversial, another Twitter employee told us. For these, there would be no ticket or anything. Come back to me for just a sec. So you need to understand there's a difference here. So they were doing things. What do I always tell you guys about big tech? It was never the things that they were doing that we knew about that I was worried about. It was all the stuff we didn't know that I was worried about. And now we have something really big. It's not just that average employees at Twitter could depress someone's views or hide them from search or make sure that they didn't trend. Then they had the highest level executives at Twitter, Jack and Parag and Vijaya, these people, where they had in essence, what this is saying is they had a God mode that would not be ticketed, that they were able to do things that there would be no record of. That's what's going on here. So if they wanted to take out Charlie Kirk, Dan Bongino, Dave Rubin, Jordan Peterson, blah, 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 you, they could do it without there even being a record of what, the, of what they were doing. Now let's continue. This is where the biggest, most politically sensitive decisions got made. Think high follower count controversial. Another employee told us, okay, so I got you. So there would be no ticket or anything. Okay, you got that one. One of the accounts that rose to this level of scrutiny was Libs of TikTok an account that was on the trends blacklist and was designated do not take action on user without consulting with SIP-PES. The account, which Chaya Rachik began in November 2020 and now boasts over 1.4 million followers, was subjected to six suspensions in 2022 alone, Rachik says. Each time Rachik was blocked for posting for as long as a week. Twitter repeatedly informed Rachik that she had been suspended for violating Twitter's, Twitter's policy against hateful conduct. But in an internal SIP-PES memo from October 2022, after her seventh suspension, the committee acknowledged that LTT, Libs of TikTok, had not directly engaged in behavior volative of the hateful conduct policy. See here. The committee justified her suspensions internally by claiming her posts encouraged online harassment of hospitals and medical providers by insinuating that gender-affirming healthcare is equivalent to child abuse or grooming. Compare this to what happened when Rachik herself was doxxed in November of 2022. A photo of her home with her address was posted in a tweet that has garnered more than 10,000 likes. When Rachik told Twitter that her address had been disseminated, she says that Twitter support responded with this message. We reviewed the report, reported content and didn't find it to be in violation of the Twitter rules. No action was taken. The doxing tweet is still up. In internal Slack messages, Twitter employees spoke of using technicalities to restrict the visibility of tweets and subjects. Here's Yoel Roth, Twitter's then global head of trust and safety in a direct message to a colleague in early 2021. Six days later, in a direct message with an employee on the health misinformation, privacy, and identity research team, Roth requested more research to support expanding non-removal policy interventions like disabling engagements and de-amplifying visibility and filtering. We're almost there, guys. Roth wrote, the hypothesis underlying much of what we've been, of what we've implemented is that if exposure to misinformation directly causes harm, we should use remediations that reduce exposure and limit 
the spread slash virality of content in a good, uh, and limiting the spread and virality of content is a good way to do that. He added, we got Jack on board with implementing this for civic integrity in the near term, but we're going to need to make a more robust case to get this into our repertoire of policy remediations, especially for other policy domains. Uh, there's more to come on this story, which was reported by Abigail Schreier, who's a friend of mine and, and uh, been on the show many times. Michael Schellenberger, a friend of mine who's been on the show many times. Nellie Bowles, uh, Isaac uh, Grafstein, and the team at the Free Press. Okay, I know that was a lot of reading and text there. Uh, and I think you guys got why I felt that I had to read the whole thing. We were gonna maybe just select a couple parts. But we now know for sure, Twitter had the tools to shadow ban. They had a policy within the company on how they could do it and how it was going to be tracked. We don't know all of the people yet. I, we will find out all of the people that were in charge of these things. But we also know that Twitter was a, a wildly woke leftist company, right? What did Elon find when he opened up the closet door in Twitter HQ? Stay woke t-shirts, right? So the employees there had a political ideology. And from what we can see in the Twitter dump so far, the people that they were going after, whether it's libs of TikTok or Dan Bongino or Charlie Kirk, these people happen to be on, let's say the right side, literally and figuratively of politics right now. Uh, okay, so now, Let's, uh, let's go back to the tweet that I sent to uh, Jack back then. Uh, I asked Jack from Twitter, once again, I tweeted this last night. I asked Jack from Twitter if they shadow banned back in 2020. He hasn't deleted the tweet yet, but he did unfollow me a few days ago. And I tagged Elon in that. Okay, now, here we go. Have anyone, has anyone been paying attention to any of this stuff? Is it possible that there were a whole bunch of people that were screaming about this, trying to make sense of this. But the whole thing was so confusing because of all the tricks that they had that it was very hard to pinpoint anything and maybe that was by design. Here is Eric Weinstein back on the Rubin Report in January of 2017, okay? This is a long time ago, ladies and gentlemen. This is almost six years ago. Talking about the matrix of information and confusion that we're in. I know enough to say this is unnatural. I don't know enough to say, well, the problem is, is that Jack had a meeting at the NSA and they read him the riot act. That, that's where you get into territory that I'm just not comfortable with because I don't know. Yeah. Knowing is kind of important, but it's but no, lost. But it, assume that you can know about an abstraction, but you can't know about the specific. So I think it's really important that we all get very good at saying, I can tell that this is artificial and I don't know what caused it. So basically what you're saying is we're, we're in the matrix here and a few of us are kind of starting to see a little bit of the code shaking out because it's kind of, it's gotten, it's gotten, it got fat on itself, I guess. We were watching a magic performance that has been performed every four years since 1980 at least, which is when I sort of have my first adult memories of, of politics. And suddenly somebody threw on the lights Mm -hmm. And we see trapdoors, and we see wires, <laughs> and we see false bottoms of boxes, and everybody's looking at this saying, you're kidding me. Okay, so that's almost six years ago. He's saying it right there. I don't know if Jack is involved with the NSA and the intelligence services, but I got a hunch, and we better get good at having a hunch and figuring out what that means. You know how your body sometimes tells you something? When someone's talking to you and you know that they're lying and you can't quite place it and your body's kind of telling you something like, you know, you kind of just like on alert a little bit more, you just feel something like that hunch that a whole bunch of us uh, were feeling, it all turned out to be true and they kept lying. They kept lying. Here is Jack Dorsey, then Twitter CEO, uh, being asked by Sean Hannity in 2018 whether they shadow ban. Let me ask about specific questions. Has Twitter ever been involved in shadow banning? We do not shadow ban according to political ideology or viewpoint or content, period. Uh, no, not period. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And we know it without question. He got a whole bunch of pushback from that interview because it was so obvious to so many of us that something was not right. And again, I don't want to make this about the myopic, okay, it's just because you're on Twitter all day long and, it's, and you're not getting enough likes or retweets. The stuff that happens on Twitter, the battles that happen on Twitter between politicians and other politicians or tech 
tech magnets and other people, like these are real things that leak out into the real world. So he got a lot of pushback on that, that interview with Hannity. And then he followed up, Jack followed up with this. Following up on this without a lot more detail, with a lot more detail, we don't shadow ban and we certainly don't shadow ban based on political viewpoints. That's a really funny way of saying something, isn't it? We don't do the thing and we especially don't do it the way you think we do it, right? That's how much we don't do the thing that we don't do. Uh, we do rank tweets by default to make Twitter more immediately relevant, which can be flipped off uh, more on ranking signals. Now, this is where this really gets good. Three days before, uh, I asked Jack whether he shadow banned and he said no. And this is then two years after, right? Because that was in 2020. 2018 is when Hannity asked him about it. Well, three days before I asked him about shadow banning, uh, Senator Ted Cruz in a Senate hearing about big tech and censorship asked him about uh, what Twitter is doing related to the New York Post and the Hunter Biden laptop and shadow banning and much more. Your ability is you have the power to force a media outlet. Let's be clear. The New York Post isn't just some random guy tweeting. The New York Post has the fourth highest circulation of any newspaper in America. The New York Post is over 200 years old. The New York Post was founded by Alexander Hamilton. And your position is that, that you can sit in Silicon Valley and demand of the media that you can tell them what stories they can publish and you can tell the American people what reporting they can hear. Is that right? No, this was, this was a, you know, every person, every account, uh, every uh, organization that signs up to Twitter agrees to a terms of service. Uh, terms of service is So public. media outlets must genuflect and obey your dictates if they wish to be able to communicate with readers. Is that right? No, not at all. We, you know, we, we recognize an error in this policy and specifically the enforcement. You're still blocking their posts. It. You're we still blocking it. their posts. Right now, today, you're blocking their posts. We're not blocking the posts. Anyone can tweet. Can the New York Post uh, post on their on a Twitter account? If they go into their account. No, is your answer to that. No, unless they, they and, and, and agree with your dictates. Anyone can tweet. So Twitter takes the view. You can censor the New York Post. You can censor Politico. Presumably, you can censor the New York Times or any other media outlet. Mr. Dorsey, who the hell elected you and put you in charge of what the media are allowed to report and what the American people are allowed to hear? And why do you persist in behaving as a democratic super PAC, silencing views to the contrary of your political beliefs? Good work there, Ted Cruz. I'll get you a beer next time I see you. Yeah. So that is three days before I then again asked Jack if they shadow ban. He says no. And he, the thing is, the guy was obviously lying the entire time. Ted Cruz knew he was lying. Uh, he said, we recognized an error. Re he's talking about the Hunter Biden laptop and how they censored the story, that they recognized an error, except it wasn't an error. It was clearly by design. They had teams of people that it was their job to do just this, to fill out these tickets, make sure certain things didn't show up in search, make sure things couldn't trend and that people couldn't tweet certain things or DM them, et cetera, et cetera. So he lied. I think that, that it's possible that he could be in trouble because he probably lied under oath to Ted Cruz, whether he lies to me on Twitter is irrelevant, uh, but lying to a senator under oath about what, whether you shadow ban or not. And again, I think he'll get a good lawyer and the good lawyer will just, they'll just get so lost in the word shadow ban, sort of like Bill Clinton, uh, what's the definition of is, is, right? Um, it depends on the definition of is. Right? That wasn't a good Bill Clinton. It depends on the, <laughs> it depends on the definition of is. How is that? <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> he used to do a good Bill Clinton. Wait. I did not have sex with that woman. That's not so great either. Ah, whatever. All right. Okay. Anyway. Uh, anyway, last night, all hell's breaking loose on Twitter. People are freaking out. And I wanted to get ahead of one thing because actually for as bad as the Twitter shadow banning is and whatever else, whatever manipulation they've done there and how they make things trend and how they purposely design trending stories to make people hate each other and all that stuff. For as bad as all that is, I actually think that YouTube particularly is manipulating us way more than that. And I think you guys know that. 
uh, just by whatever your viewing habits might be, right? There are times, you guys tell me this all the time, when I literally, people tell me this when I meet them at the store or at the airport, and then we get emails about this all the time, and I get it from my own viewing habits. There are times when our videos, I'm talking about Ruben Report videos, go out to all sorts of people, and we're getting all sorts of clicks, and I look in our analytics, and it's like, we're recommending your videos more and more. People are seeing your videos, and people are interacting with your videos more. And then just out of nowhere, the next day, we're not getting recommended. People aren't seeing our videos. I know you subscribe. You don't see it, all of these things. So I think YouTube specifically is doing far more damage. So I wanted to throw one tweet out last night and then something nice happened here. I said, let me get ahead of this one right now. I think YouTube and Google's manipulation for political purposes is far worse than Twitter's. And then Elon Musk, actually, I didn't even tag him in it, but he saw it. And uh, I guess it's got him thinking. That's the curious emoji. There's something going on here, wouldn't you say? Anyway, here's the bigger, here, well, that's a, all that's a huge issue. So I don't want to say here's a bigger issue, but a side issue to all of this is will any of this information wake up the, the certain set of people who seem impervious to truth? Right? I keep talking about how we have to accept that a certain amount of people are NPCs, non-playable characters, that no matter how much you show them, Donald Trump didn't say very fine people on both sides, and Brett Kavanaugh was not a rapist, and all of the stuff, right? Jesse Smollett hoax, and they lied about that, and they lied about the motives for Black Lives Matter, and masks, and everything. Okay, there's a certain amount of people that are, that seem, are so seemingly tied into all of the lies. They're so... Um, they're to so tied into the spirit of the day or something that they cannot extricate themselves from that. So what does the machine do in the face of this? The machine tries to keep your eye off the ball. The machine tries to investigate the people who are actually uh, exposing the lies and trying to get us a little closer to something known as truth. Uh, here's a headline from Post Millennial about what's going on up in San Francisco where Twitter headquarters is. San Francisco to investigate Twitter over HQ providing beds for employee naps. I think we have a couple beds. Yeah, look at that. These are images of beds. Elon Musk, since he's been there, because he's working his butt off, he gave himself like a little, looks like an Ikea bed, basically. Uh, and he's put beds in there. So the, the city of San Francisco is now looking into that because they are not, because Twitter's headquarters are not licensed to be a place where people can sleep overnight. Most of you who have jobs, who have had jobs over the years, you sometimes end up sleeping, well, sometimes you end up sleeping at work, you know, you shouldn't be. And sometimes, you know, a lawyer that's working all night might sleep on a couch, uh, something like that. Uh, but this is also the, the irony of this, that San Francisco is going to spend at one iota of manpower or one dollar to look into Elon Musk and what he's doing at Twitter relative to the employees and whether these people are sleeping, those cots and beds look perfectly nice. San Francisco has tens of thousands of people sleeping on the streets. They have crack addicts and meth addicts everywhere. Hunter Biden could be out there. You know what I'm saying, people? You know what I'm saying? Here's black lesbian sec press secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre. Uh, she can't talk about Twitter and the Biden campaign because you know what, it's not like she's a black lesbian press secretary or anything. Uh, you've said a few times that you really can't talk about communications between the Biden campaign and Twitter. Who is telling you that that's off limits? I, I've already had that conversation with you, uh, with your colleague, I believe, yesterday. Uh, I've, I've already addressed this multiple times this week, so I don't have anything more to add. Uh, again, I've, I've, we've, we've, we've litigated this uh, all week. Don't What's have that? anything to add. So not a I'm going to the back. I'm going to. I tweeted this out yesterday, but she is so bad at her job that she really makes Jen Psaki look like Margaret Thatcher. She is so profoundly terrible. She has no answer for anything. Her body language, the constant looking down, everything about her reads as inauthentic. She's, she's actually, I guess you could argue she's great for the job because she is the perfect extension of this administration, which is based in lies and nonsense. And now she has to deal with the soul suck of waking up every day knowing that all you are doing is protecting liars and, and bad people. Uh, but when we let them lie like this, and, I, and this was Peter Ducey's point, can we find out a little bit more? And she's, well, we can't talk about it. All he wanted to do was find out a little bit more, like what coordination has there been between the administration and Twitter, uh, between say the intelligence services and Twitter? Well, we can't talk about that. We talked about that already. Well, really, we did? Did, did? did we get a name? Did we get an email address? Can you point me to a small building somewhere?
Of course not, of course not. But what's this really about in, in, the, in a sort of real politics way, right? When I always say, it's like, okay, you may not be on Twitter, but what happens on Twitter cares about you. So how is this stuff related to what, what is going on in the country right now? Well, when we let them lie like this, it basically creates a legitimate consequence for all of us because censorship and the denial of truth is a big problem. So one thing that happened yesterday that a lot of people were happy with and a lot of people were not so happy with is that uh, WNBA player, uh, now the WNBA is the uh, Women's Basketball League. I don't know why women need a basketball league because as far as I'm concerned, women are as good as men. When I used to go to the courts as a kid, women were dunking all over everybody, trash talking, kicking the shit out of you, elbows, the whole thing. Um, however, for whatever reason, women want their own basketball league. I don't know why. If you just made it all based on skill, I'm sure it would probably be, I don't know, what do you think, 70% women and 30% men in the, in the NBA? But whatever. Chicks want to play with their own balls. Okay, fine. Uh, but Brittany Griner is a WNBA player. She, I think she was the number one pick. She's a big, big star in the league. Uh, happens to be a lesbian. You know, not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, and happens to be black. Not that there's anything wrong with that either. Uh, and she got arrested uh, and detained in Russia a while back because she brought in some weed. You can't bring weed into Russia. Russia rules, you can't do it. Uh, anyway, we got her back yesterday. She had been uh, wallowing in a gulag, I suppose, in Russia. We got her back, we traded her uh, for a crazy Russian arms dealer who I'm gonna give you more of more on in just a second. But here is Corinne Jean-Pierre announcing Brittany Griner's release. You'll see how I'm connecting this all to the Twitter thing. Good afternoon, everybody. President Biden keeps his promises, and today he fulfilled a deeply important promise to bring Brittany Griner home to a family that loves her, a team that misses her, and a country that has marveled at her strength and courage. Okay, we got Griner back. Now, first off, let me just say, without, without glibness or sarcasm or anything else, I don't want any American, almost regardless of virtually anything they've done, to be put in a prison in another country. And especially in a case of this, like, she wasn't like massively selling drugs or anything like that. It was her own little weed stash. It's nice to have an American back. Um, the problem is that because this administration lies about everything, they seem unable to uh, justify why they do anything because it's all based on political correctness and wokeness and everything else. We have several other high profile prisoners in Russian jails that it would have made more sense to swap for than her because we gave up a guy, I'm gonna tell you a bit more about him in just a moment, who is a major, major Russian arms dealer. So if you were just, if this was a basketball trade, you don't trade, you know, say, this, their guy is an all-star. You may not like a Russian arms dealer, but he's an all-star. You don't take a Shaquille O'Neal in his prime and trade him for later years uh, Muggsy Bogues. No offense to Muggsy. I'm just doing that based purely on size, right? Because Muggsy small, Shaq big. Muggsy was a great player. And for 5'3", I think, or 5'7", to, I think it was 5'7", to be in the NBA, it's incredible. Sorry, Muggsy Bogues. I retract that whole part of this thing, okay? Anyway, uh, here is uh, Ducey once again asking Corinne Jean-Pierre about the logic of this prisoner swap. In this prisoner swap, why did Russia get such a better deal? Look, you know, I've talked about this, uh, and I'll say this again. Here were our choices. Our choices was uh, Brittany or no one at all. Bringing home one American or no American at all. And, and that's that. a professional that's, athlete. We gave up a prolific arms dealer who was convicted of trying to kill Americans, who was called the merchant of death. The professional athlete is also an American citizen. So let's not forget that. Who and deserved an American citizen. And so, so and, and, and he's so inept and smug. Look, again, as I said, without glibness or sarcasm, it's good to get an American back. But you know, if you start making trades that are completely asymmetrical, whether you're a, a sports team or a nation trading a terrorist for dead bodies or an arms dealer for a WNBA player. The asymmetry of that creates a situation where the other country, they go, boy, look what we can get back. We can get our freaking crazed merchant of death arms dealer. We can get him back. All we had to do was hijack this WNBA player that nobody cares about. This is a problem. It's just, that's just a problem of international relations. So who is this merchant of death 
arms dealer that we just sent back to Russia. His name is Victor Bout. I'm gonna show you two videos here uh, from 60 Minutes in 2011, uh, a bit more about Victor Bout. And the way I'm linking this all to the Twitter thing is that when everything is lies everywhere, when government lies to us and big tech lies to us, we end up electing the wrong people. Incompetency runs rampant because everyone's just covering for lies instead of doing good work and doing what they're supposed to do. So we got Brittany Griner back and here's the guy that we gave up for Brittany Griner. Victor Boot, uh, in, in my eyes, um, is one of the most dangerous men on the face of the earth. On the face of the earth. Without a doubt. Mike Braun, the former chief of operations for the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, told us Boot first exploded on the scene in war-torn West Africa in the late 1980s. Elevating bloody conflicts from machetes and single-shot rifles to... AK-47s, not by the thousands, but by the tens of thousands. So he weaponizes civil war in Africa. He transformed these young adolescent warriors into uh, insidious, mindless, maniacally driven killing machines that operated with assembly line efficiencies. Now 43, boot from the Soviet Republic of Tajikistan, is a mystery man who reportedly served in the Soviet Air Force and Intelligence Service. The U.S. has indicted him on four terror-related charges, including conspiracy to kill Americans. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh-oh, COVID. Um, <laughs> all right, so he sounds like a pretty bad dude, right? He, you know, there were people killing each other with machetes. He gave them all sorts of weapons, murderous killing machines, horrible. Uh, Brittany Griner uh, is the only NCAA basketball player to score both 2,000 points and block 500 shots. I don't know, that seems comparable to the mass death and the murdering and the training and turning these people into killing machines and everything else. Here's a little more on Victor Boot. What makes him a threat to the United States? He is a shadow facilitator. He's arming not only designated terrorist groups, uh, insurgent groups, but he's also arming very powerful drug trafficking cartels uh, around the globe. Taking advantage of Russian military contacts at the highest levels and the collapse of the Soviet Union, Federal prosecutors allege Boot essentially became a one-stop shop, offering an unlimited supply of stockpiled Cold War weapons to bad guys around the world, including Charles Taylor of Liberia, who's now on trial for war crimes. According to the U.S. indictment, Boot had a unique selling point when it came to weapons trafficking. A fleet of cargo airplanes capable of transporting weapons and military equipment anytime, anywhere. More than 60 planes in all, his own private air force. Those Russian aircraft uh, were built like flying dump trucks. He could move this stuff and drop it with pinpoint accuracy to any desert, to any jungle, to any other remote place in the world, right into the hands of what I refer to as the potpourri of global scum. I mean, this is like comically insane. This guy had 60 planes that he could just drop Thousands and thousands of weapons all over the place, keep armed conflicts going. God only knows what money laundering and what else was going on there. The amount of people that were killed at his hands. And, uh, you know, we got back Brittany Griner. I don't want to diminish 2,000 points, 500 blocks. Those are not easy numbers to accumulate over a career. But I don't think the girl had 60 planes filled with basketballs, dropping them off all over Africa to help the young kids out there. Uh, if you want to get a sense of how silly this whole story is, we also have... Well, it's, I guess it's silly, it's depressing, it's just, it, it, it's so perfect for the administration, right? Uh, Russia has other Americans in detention right now. One of them is a Marine by the name of Paul Whelan. Uh, Benny Johnson, you guys know Benny Johnson, I've had him on the show a couple of times. He had, a, he had a great tweet. So of course, what you're seeing down there on the left is Brittany Griner. Uh, on the right is Paul Whelan. He wrote, meet Brittany Griner and Marine Paul Whelan, both Americans. Both were convicted in Russian courts on dubious charges both serving multi-year sentences in Russia prison. Brittany hates America. Paul served America. Guess which one Biden traded for a uh, traded a terrorist to free? Semper Fi Paul. So Paul Whelan, uh, it's a little murky, some of the details of why he was de uh, detained, perhaps has something to do with spying. I'm not even saying this is a complete apples to apples comparison, but I think it's fairly obvious to anyone that uh, we got the short end of the stick here, but why would we get the short end of the stick? And now this will also connect back to everything in woke world that we're talking about lately. 
Well, why, why was it so important to get her back? Well, she was sort of an apex predator of the Oppression Olympics uh, pyramid, right? I mean, she's a black lesbian. This is primo stuff, people. Paul Whelan's a white dude. I think straight. What do we need him for? Don Lemon's very excited because this is good for the gays. I think I would be remiss if we did not mention also the importance this plays for the LGBTQ community. Yes, As we've been talking about black women, this is big. So this is for the LGBTQ community. Glad releasing a statement, obviously, just I'm summarizing here that they're happy and it shows the, the um, struggles and the danger that members of the LGBT community face around the world. What the high hell are you talking about, Lemon? She's, she wasn't arrested for being a lesbo. She was arrested for... <laughs> Spit take! Uh, she wasn't arrested for being a lesbian. She was arrested for smuggling drugs into the company, into the country. This has nothing to do with LGBT anything. There's no such thing as the LGBT community. If there is, I don't want anything to do with it. These people are just all completely ridiculous, but that is the most important thing. You think Don Lemon's gonna do a segment on Paul Whelan? I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, one more clip from the uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre press conference yesterday because she was just getting hit left and right and she's terrible absolutely terrible at her job and she's dismissive and smug and condescending and all of those things. And finally, she just couldn't take it anymore. She left. Can you take a question on the U.S. Africa Summit? Can you take a question on the U.S. Africa Summit? Why is it so hard to take a question on the U.S. Africa Summit when the president is in 50 African leaders, the biggest garden of leaders of his administration? Why is it hard for you to give me a question? It is not hard. I've answered. I've would you let me answer the question or are you get okay okay I, i'm trying to answer your question go ahead sir go ahead i just tried you wouldn't let me go ahead i just tried and you would not let me sir so your colleague is going to ask a question go ahead no i just i literally just tried to answer your question you shut me down so now your colleague is going to okay thanks everybody i'll see you tomorrow question out of respect good, not a good day at the office for Corinne Jean-Pierre, but it's good to see that there is some pushback. And, and the point of all of this is not only because when we let lies spread, either knowingly or unknowingly, and that's what the connection is between the first half of the show today, that lies were spreading because we were depressing truth, we end up electing incompetent people. We, we have an administration in front of us that lies about everything. We have a president with, who obviously has dementia. We have all of these problems that we know did not have to be problems that actually weren't problems just a couple of years ago. But then when you think, how, how did they do all the stuff? How did they do it? Well, they had their, their fingers on the levers or the swipers of who could see what and when they could see it. So then you end up voting in the wrong people. You end up not understanding basic notions of what democracy is or why you should care about any of this stuff or anything else. So let's go a little bit further about how these people lie because their lies, now we know, have been fueled without question because it's not just that they could suppress some people, they could inflate some people. And who got inflated and filleted more than anyone over the last couple of years? Well, certainly it was uh, mad scientist, I am the science, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who of course is stepping aside, uh, but this was just a good one, uh, talking to the Washington Post, that uh, he would never do anything over. He did it all right, people. This guy's just perfect. First, I wanna ask you, is there a moment of your career that you wish you could do over? <laughs> you know, um, Yasmin, no. And I know they're gonna, people are gonna respond to that. Um, who say, well, what does he think? He's perfect. Absolutely. I'm the first to admit I'm far from perfect. But when you say do over, you know, I really can't see something that I would do completely over. Yeah. Remember, remember the quote at the beginning of the show, Alexander Solzhenitsyn? Yeah. They know, we know, we know, they know, they know, we know, and they continue to do it. That's the definition of what he is because he knows he's been exposed at every level. He knows his emails about not masking and then masking. He knows the videos where he said, don't, uh, where he said lock schools down and then he does other, other videos saying, I never said it. He knows it's all out there, but it just doesn't matter, right? And they're making fun of you at the exact same time. So not only is Fauci getting out of the way, which is great, 
Uh, but Trevor Noah, who was, was because he's stepping down now or he's being kicked out and he should have been kicked out years ago because he took The Daily Show over from Jon Stewart. The Daily Show was, wh- whether you agreed with Jon Stewart or not, and he's certainly gone off the woke deep end, Jon Stewart subsequently from The Daily Show, uh, but tons of people did watch the Daily Show when Jon Stewart had it. Trevor Noah took over, nobody watched, you never saw a viral clip, it never became relevant in any real way again. So they finally got rid of him and they obviously would have gotten rid of him earlier had he been white, uh, but he got his privilege points and that's okay, that's fine, that's how these corporations work. Uh, I just wanted to throw back to this moment because this, this sort of encapsulates what he was. This moment mocking Americans who were complaining about lockdowns. And you know, after hearing this story, I would love to see an American citizen and a Chinese citizen sit down to talk about COVID. Because you always hear Americans talking about how they feel as though they were oppressed by the COVID restrictions here. Yeah, the Chinese person will be like, it was brutal. I was literally boarded up in my home, beaten up by the police and sent to a quarantine camp. Be like, I feel you, brother. This one summer, I got asked to leave an Applebee's. We are not different at all, my friend. We both suffer. Smug. To, to come, you know, it's, it's so interesting when you see first-generation immigrants that come to this country to be so hateful of this country. This is sort of the Ilhan Omar syndrome, right? Like she came here, he came here. You end up becoming millionaires or congresspeople. You're, you're so close to like the seat of power and you come here to make fun of people because they wanted to live freely. Sorry, uh, sorry Trevor Noah, that we were not quite as bad as uh, China, but you know what? It was far worse than being kicked out of an Applebee's. Uh, But it continues with these people who seemingly get everything wrong. One of them, and this one is a massive disappointment. This one is just a massive disappointment. If you would have asked me like four years ago, uh, what show I wanted to do more than any other show, it was Howard Stern's show. I grew up on Howard Stern, grew up in New York City. I was listening to Howard Stern when he was on terrestrial radio before he got onto satellite radio and when every day he was fighting the executives and fighting for free speech and all of that stuff. Well, COVID broke him, Trump broke him. He's just become absolutely crazy. This is from, uh, from OutKick. Howard Stern thinks Kirstie Alley's opposition to vaccine mandates against COVID-19 caused her colon cancer death. She was anti-mandate. Maybe she didn't go to the doctor soon enough when she wasn't feeling well, Howard said. It's just so vile, it's so vile. By the way, if you didn't hear, Kirstie Alley, who was a wonderful actress, uh, she was on Cheers and she was in Look Who's Talking and a whole bunch of other stuff. She passed away of colon cancer a couple of days ago. She was a conservative, she was outspoken politically. Um, I don't think I said this publicly, but over the last year we had sort of become friendly. We were actually beginning to work on a sitcom for her with a couple other people. We had a really great concept for a sitcom that she was super excited about. This apparently kicked in out of nowhere. Anyway, Stern has no idea. What, what, led to her, uh, what led to her death. I mean, we know it was colon cancer, but he has no idea what her personal medical decisions were. And being against a mandate has nothing to, nothing to do with how people take care of their internal personal medical practices, right? So let's get this thing full circle. Why stopping them when they lie matters? Because they'll keep coming. They'll keep sending out more Fauci's. They'll keep sending out, you know, who will lie and, and institute policies that will affect your life, then they will keep sending out more Corinne Jean-Pierre's to lie about the lies, right? They will keep hiring ridiculous bureaucrats like any of the people who just did this trade for Brittany Griner, for the merchant of death. They will keep doing all of these things and they will do it as we expose the lies in real time. So the opportunity here, guys, is There is a moment, there is a little bit of a moment right now where if you can reach out to your friends who have been brainwashed by all of the stuff and say to them, hey, you know, here's this, here's this, uh, this Twitter thread by Barry Weiss, who was a New York Times journalist, who was a lefty her whole life, who now is exposing some of the censorship of Twitter. Do you think that that is legit? Do you think that that is good? Do you think silencing people is good? Now, you may, you may not be able to have that conversation because I know it's, it's awfully hard to do. It is awfully hard to do. But we have a little bit of a moment to get a little mojo. That, that's actually what I felt like this morning. I woke up this morning after all the craziness of Twitter last night. I kind of felt, I, I feel, I wake up with purpose and a sense of what I'm doing every day and everything else. Um, but I felt a little extra mojo this morning. Like, yeah, 
I was kind of right about a lot of things. I don't think it's because I'm clairvoyant or because I'm so brilliant or anything like that. I actually think it's just because I had my hand to the ground and, I, and some level of sanity and I did not go crazy because of all of these things. And then when you, when you don't do that, the truth will set you free. And I think that's the path that a lot of us are on right now. And that's a good path because you know what happens if we don't stay on that path of knowing what our rights are, knowing what we believe and why we believe it, they will keep a coming. They will keep a coming with the lies. They will keep a coming with the lockdowns and they will keep coming with, with far worse things. Uh, Jordan Peterson actually talked about some of those far worse things with Rita Panahi on Sky News Australia. Do you think what we did during COVID could usher in our version of a social credit system? Oh yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's and that high, it would, highly probable. And that it will be accepted by many people because again, that they won't even yearning notice. for safety. They, they won't notice even. Yeah, you, you can't believe how much people don't know these things. When I went to the UK, I talked to some people from the House of Lords. This is within the last six months. The most astute of the people sitting in the House of Lords had only become aware of the woke movement in the last 18 months. Oh yes, you, you just can't believe how much this is not on people's radar. Not someone like you can't believe that at all because it's on your radar all the time. That's not, you live in a world that's on the cutting edge of this sort of thing. It's like, people have no idea. It's like, well, why not have a digital passport? I mean, you know, how convenient. It's like, fair enough, and you can understand that. Wouldn't it be nice if we could pay for everything with our phones? It's like, wouldn't it be nice if the central government who's woke-oriented and makes carbon dioxide remediation the priority, knows exactly what you spend on everything so they can target you tax-wise with precision. It's like, oh, didn't think about that. It's like, yeah, yeah, you sure didn't. And oh yes, it's highly probable it'll be a miracle if we, if we escape from that. You can see these signs of this everywhere. You know, when you go through airports now, there's a lot of automated barriers. You show your passports, like, well, these are automated barriers. What if you can't go through them? Well, that's the situation for many people in China. It's like, what are you going to do? You're going to argue with the machine? Like, you just cannot imagine how screwed you are. There isn't, it's way worse than anything Kafka ever imagined. Because at least with Kafka, there was bureaucrats faceless though they may have been, they were at least still human. Once the machines can lock you out, oh, 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 you are in such trouble. And we're speeding towards that with, uh, with an immense lack of, of care. Mm. You see why it's important to be awake? I would say if you watch this show, you're probably an edge case on the front end of this, as he described to Rita, meaning that you, you are aware of some of this stuff. You probably didn't lose your mind over the couple of years, even though we were all given these horrific choices to make about going to work or being vaccinated or all these things. But we saw some of the stuff. We were willing to question some of the things, all of those things. And a certain amount of people aren't. And then a certain amount of people, as Jordan's laying out, will one day after the digital passports are in and all of the stuff, they'll get to the airport, they'll scan their thing, and the machine will tell them, no, you can't get on that plane. You liked this video, or you did this or that, or we're freezing your bank account. So all of these tests have been running throughout the West. It, it just is, guys. But now Elon is exposing it, and that should give you some serious freaking oomph behind your desire to keep going, all of our desire to keep going, because the world's richest man is putting his butt on the line to expose some of this stuff and wake up more people. And we just need more people to wake up. And by the way, Jordan's example of showing up to the airport and then not being able to get past the machine, that's not that crazy, right? First off, it's happening in China right now, but just think about your, how we relate to the machines in our day-to-day -day life now. Most of you watching this probably have Gmail accounts. If you had a problem with your Gmail account, what do you do? Can you speak to a human? As he said, at least in a Kafka-esque novel, uh, there'd be a faceless bureaucrat. You can't get anyone on the phone at Google. There's no such thing. The machines have already taken over to a degree. So wake up, fight, push, be competent. Oh, good segue, Ron DeSantis. Some people say, hey, these local governments, wanted to lock down businesses. They wanted to force mandates. They wanted to keep the kids locked out of school. Yeah, you're damn right I overruled them on that. Because and the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, you, you don't have right to, you don't have
have the right to do wrong. And if I had not stepped in last year and made sure that these local governments couldn't lock you down, couldn't mandate, we, get, we, we wouldn't let them fine. We had kids in school last year because of me, not because of them. Yeah, that's all I have to say to that. Yeah. That's what you need, people. You need a little bit of that spirit. And then what happens? A whole bunch of people that don't even know you start cheering for you because you did the right thing. Guys, stick around for a cold close in just a moment. I think we're about to enter Longest Show Ever territory right now. We're there. Uh, we're we're going to be there in about two minutes. Comments from the locals community. Margo says, work on that accent, Dave. You're in the South now. All right, I want to do that. I used to do a pretty good bill. <clears throat> I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Hillary. How was that? That was pretty good. I did not have sex. It depends on your definition of is. Is. Okay, not great. Roses says, I think they really believe they know best. They are just so smart. Hell, they got trophies and ribbons for just showing up to soccer when they were five. You know, that's funny. I remember, I kid you not. You guys probably had this all the time, but I remember, I'm 46 years old. I remember being in fifth grade. So what year I'm in fifth grade? That's gotta be around 85, about nine years old, something like that. I remember we were doing a field day and I wasn't a good athlete really until probably late junior high into high school. That's when I really started getting good at stuff. So, and we, were, we had like a field day out there. You know, you do all different things, you egg carry and the bike that you gotta go slow and all that stuff. And I didn't place in anything. And I remember getting it was a yellow piece of paper about the, half the size of a regular thing. And it was, I don't remember if it said participation trophy or something, but it, you know, you were out there today and you, did, you didn't kill yourself. And I remember thinking this is messed up. Nobody should get this piece of paper. What am I gonna do with this piece of paper? I'm gonna put it on the Gaylord Fokker Hall of Fame thing. Peter, that's a good reference. If anyone got that, you got that? Yeah. Uh, Peter says, uh, it's the gaslighting I hate the most. We all knew what was going on. Yeah. We have been gaslit, guys. The, the media, corporations, big tech, they have lied to us about all these things, but that's the chance. That's the chance, right? Because now it's being exposed. So again, it's, it's what you do with it within your life now, knowing something a little bit more approximate to the truth. And then how do you export some of that stuff? Because really the issue is, so Elon can, can drop all these uh, truth bombs, right? He can, he can say, boy, we did all the, they did all this stuff related to the, to the Hunter Biden laptop and maybe some other stuff election related. And I think we're, we're obviously going to get way more COVID related, right? In the Barry Weiss thread there, there was the one thing uh, COVID related, but we're going to get way more information about what they did related to COVID. Um, <clears throat> but the point is that we're going to find out all of this stuff, but a certain set of people will not pay attention no matter what. And as that goes on, as, as, we, as the years go by with that, right? And a certain set of people, let's just say, and I know it's easy for us, to, let's just say we're a little closer to truth than, than the other half, right? So we're going down that path and we're gonna make some mistakes. We're gonna, we're gonna screw up some things. Uh, we're not gonna get our predictions right. Like I, I got a lot of the, the red wave predictions wrong, although now, I don't know if you heard, but this morning, Chris, did you hear this? Kirsten Cinema. we didn't even talk about it this morning. Kirsten Cinema, Democrat from Arizona, Senator, she just left the Democratic Party. So we're back in a tie. She's an independent now. She'll probably caucus with the Democrats, but this is a, this is a great moment. Anyway, you're gonna get some predictions along, 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 wrong along the way, but let's just say we keep going down our path. We, whatever that means, people in red states, people who are somewhat red-pilled, pe people who are functional and have jobs and believe in family and all that stuff. So we're gonna keep going down that path. And then there's this other set of people who will always believe in the thing, the thing of the day, the outrage of the day. That's partly why they have to keep them outraged. Outrage burns hot, but it burns pretty quick. So you gotta, you can get everybody to put the Ukraine flag on and I'm for chopping kids' genitals off and Black Lives Matter and all these things, but you got to keep them going through the, all that nonsense. We got to do the best we can to deprogram some of those people, but they're going to just keep going that way. One of the things I've been thinking about lately is I think we're going to end up, I think we're sort of there already. We're in two different ideological worlds, sort of mentally, but I think we'll continue to go that way physically in terms of red and blue states. And then I think another version of this will be that I think it's very possible we're going to end up in two completely different internets. I really do think that there's gonna be something like that. I have to flesh out the thought a little bit more, but that basically there will be sort of an, an, a Twitter sort of Elon Musk basic respect for truth and free speech and, and American principles internet. And then there'll just be this very hyper controlled um, NPC internet 
where there won't be a lot of discussion, but you will get authoritative information. And if you question it, we're going to kick you out and then you'll end up with the freaks on the other side. It's going to be something like that. I got I to gotta work that one through a little bit more. Anyway, longest show we've ever done, people. Despite the fact I didn't complain, I've got the COVID. Still, my line, I took the test again yesterday. And again, I'm only testing because I got the kids here. They're doing just fine. Uh, but my line was a little thinner yesterday. I think by the end of today, I'll be all right and everything will be fine for the weekend. Oh, I'm very excited. You guys know what I'm doing tomorrow night? I'm going to see Frankie Valley. Frankie Valley, 84 years young. He's still doing it, people. I'm going to see Frankie Valley tomorrow night. Can't wait. Have a great weekend, everybody. The truth will set you free. And we leave you with, because we didn't give you enough of them. Here's a little more Jordan Peterson. You do not have the power to twist or distort reality without it snapping back at you in ways that you can hardly possibly imagine. You think that lying protects you. That's wrong. And you think, well, how could it possibly protect you? What you're trying to do is to adapt to the world. And if you lie so that you're no longer adapted to the world, then you're going to run into sharp objects and, in, and fall into holes nonstop. And the blinder you are, the sharper the objects and the deeper the holes. And when you really understand that, like once I understood social Schnitz's connection between lying and the totalitarian state. Well, there's no way I'm going to say things that are false because that's clearly, that's the road to hell. Not metaphysically, not philosophically, actually, really, for sure, this will happen. And as a clinician, this is one of the things that also terrified me. I never saw anyone ever get away with anything. The chickens always came home to roost. People paid for every sin. Sometimes it took them years to draw the causal connections. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.